What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. It's your boy Scott here, broadcasting live from the Last American Vagabond Studios here in historic Franklin, Tennessee. Very excited you guys are all with me today. I've got a fantastic episode for you. Wonderful guests that I always love having conversations with. Um, it'll be great to catch up. Um, I know he's got a lot of awesome things in the works. So, um, yeah, Francis Richard Connolly is with us today. He's just sitting in the green room right now. I just, uh, without uh, wasting anybody's time, I just want to jump right in real quick and just tell you guys how you can come support the show. So, just real quick, if you head over to rebunk.news, this is the website. Um, you'll see a new little feature there if you haven't been there in a while where it'll, it's going to ask for your email address. So this is the best way to stay up to date in case anything goes awry, anything goes wrong. Just enter your email address in there and you'll be on the mailing list. So uh, I, I, I'm trying to get better in the habit of sending out notifications about live streams. And then just if I, if I disappear off anywhere else, this will be a great way for me to be able to stay in contact with you guys. So uh, also on the website, you're going to see at the top, all the video platforms that we're on. Uh, right now, we're streaming live on Rockfin, Rumble, and Twitter, believe it or not. Like, we're still going on Twitter. But uh, if you're listening to this in the future, um, a great way to stay up to date on when to uh, get notifications about upcoming live streams, again, is going to be on the Telegram channel, t.me forward slash rebunked pod. I put it out on, like, Instagram and, and a few other uh, social media platforms, but I'm just so shadow banned that Telegram is a direct way to get you know, direct, uh, updates from me. So t t.me forward slash rebunk pod is the best place to stay up to date with the show along with the mailing list. Um, let's see. So ways to support the show right at the top of the page at rebunk.news, you'll see a link to the t-shirt shop, the rebunk.news t-shirt shop. So you can go to click on that or go to rebunk.news forward slash shirts. And this is brought to you by big frog t-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. They are listeners of the show. They're fans of the show. They're, they're one of us, right? So by ordering T-shirts here, you're not only supporting us, but you're supporting a, uh, you know, liberty-minded, awake T-shirt outlet. So you got all the different designs. You got the typical rebunked logo. You got the build shirts. Compliance is violence. Can't depopulate an idea. We are many. They are few. I see false flags, which I think we might get into a little bit this evening. And uh, yeah, so rebunk.news forward slash forward slash shirts for all your uh, rebunked T-shirt needs. Uh, another way to great way to support the show is through the subscribe star. So doing bonus premium content on there, just like quick little 20-minute, 30-minute rants um, that are only available to uh, subscribe star people. Uh, we've got two subscribers right now, so let's see if we can get that up to three by the end of the live stream today. That would be super fantastic. Just as little as five bucks a month really helps support the show, keeps the show going, and uh, you know helps us get to higher, newer, newer and better things. And then I'm happy to report that we finally, finally got the Truth TRS website up and running again. Uh, after battling with their tech support for several weeks, finally got it back up. So truthtrs.com, uh, this is a, it's a heavy metal detox spray. So it's just five sprays, uh, you know, three in the morning, two in the evening, uh, just spray it in your mouth. And then what it does is it goes into your body, absorbs all the heavy metals that have accumulated in your body through all the environmental toxins, all of the stuff that they're spraying and it flushes it out. It's a fantastic product. Um, there's a, there's a FAQ on there. Um, they also have an advanced CBD and an advanced fulvic line. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of great information here on truth TRS. And then they also have an Instagram page at truth TRS where there's all kinds of testimonials and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, truth TRS.com to learn more about all that, or give them a follow on, uh, Instagram at truth TRS. All right, guys. So that's that without further ado, the legend himself, the distinguished and honorable Mr. Francis Richard Connolly. Francis, how you doing, brother? How are you doing, Scott? Great to see you. You're looking very well. Oh, thank you so much. It's so good to have you back, man. Um, so, so much has happened in your world since we last talked. Um, I think the last time we talked that uh, you were in the process of working with Chris over at Trine Day 
press, getting your book out, but now it's officially out, which is so exciting. So tell us about uh, tell us about the book version of your classic documentary. Well, it's more a case, Scott, of what's happening to the book. Um, it's very good of you, and I'm, it's you know great that you bring this up straight away. Uh, it's great to be on your on your show. Uh, yep, there it is. Um, the problem that we've encountered is that um, you see that the deal that that was that was made. Uh, yeah. I thought meant that IPG, the independent publishers group, um, would be taking it out into bookstores in America. That I, I thought that would be the you know the whole idea, and I thought that if um, you know the the cover there that everybody can see which is so very like uh, the thumbnail to my documentary. I thought that if that was in bookstores, that because that it's been so hugely received by uh, Americans, um, I thought that, you know, it, it would be a, a huge seller. But it, apparently, and I don't know if this is reflected in, in your own city, Scott, apparently the, the powers that be have managed to keep it out of uh all American bookstores. The, uh, uh, the last I heard, and people have been writing to me about this. They've been saying, "Well, you know, Mister Collier can't see your book in, in the local store," and it, it looks as if at the moment it's still only available online. Now, what the hell is going on? I mean, I'm a man who's five thousand miles away from where you are. I just don't know, Scott. If somebody can tell me, I, I know that Chris isn't happy about it, but it, it seems that he's as baffled by it. As I am, I think it may simply be the case that um, I mean, you know, these days in, in this world that we are in now, there's always uh, conglomerates and there are, there are always, you know, like bookstore chains. In this country, we've only really got um, Waterstones. That, that that's the only uh, book bookstore people that we have. Uh, there's a Waterstones in just about every city of any size. And I went into my, I mean, can you imagine this? Mm -hmm. my, in, in York, where I live, I went in, in Waterstones, my, my own city, and the book's not available there. It's not in the window. And I asked them about it, and they said, well, as far as we can see, Mr. Connolly, there's, there's no publishing rights uh, in, in this country. And it may be, and it certainly looks that way, as if they've, I don't know, just nobbled. I mean, that's how a, an Englishman would say it. Mm. Uh, the, the the bookstore chains, w w whatever they are, I don't know what they are. You, you could tell me, but it, it it does seem that the powers that be have said to the bookstores in your country, yes, absolutely any book, except that one. Yeah, you, you don't sell that one. And once again, Scott, and, and I, I think that you know something that I'm terribly aware of, which we've discussed before, is that we're always acquiring new people to this truth movement all the time people are coming on board for the first time wondering what the hell this is all about wondering who i am or what you know why my movie is this big thing all all around the world and when i therefore feel it's you know important to tell people that my, my movie has been seen way over a billion times that that is uh, something that you can prove through google analytics and um and it's been suppressed over and over and over again by the powers that be who banned it mm -hmm. you know the queen and donald trump uh, when it first came out they got together and, and they banned it people put pirate copies on which were then taken off that were put back on again the situation at the moment is that there, there's still a few pirate copies there but they are still suppressing my work and now and, and i think this is 
this is even more important in a way, Scott, I don't know if you agree, but the thing is that in George Orwell's time, what he was writing about and outraging about and, and being, you know, showing such spleen against was that the Nazis <coughs> were banning books. They were burning books. The same is now being done to me. Your audience need to ask themselves why. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. Now, the question I have, though, is like, you know, Chris, anybody that doesn't know, Trine Day Publishing is a very, uh, very large operation. Like some of these books that we've all come to know that are very subversive, like truth telling books, like, for example, like the Franklin scandal, you know, like that, that one, that one book came out. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like uh, another book kind of related to your your book is the uh, what is it? The most dangerous book in the world is like 9-11 as a mass ritual. You know, that's another big one. You know, Bruce a lot of these like as well, I should mention Bruce the Torres. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. There's So Trine Day has been around for a very long time. And Chris Milligan, who's actually so he, <laughs> he's in Brownsville. Oregon, which is like an like half an hour north of where I used to live. And so I've kind of I've, I've met Chris. I, I've met him. I've gone to some of his lectures that he did there in Eugene. Um, and but he's he's known for publishing these books. So I can imagine I can imagine that this isn't the first time that he's run into this issue. So I was wondering, like, has he have, have you kind of coordinated with him and gotten his feedback in terms of like how he's overcome this type of thing in the past? Because I, I mean, obviously, this is the type of book that probably wouldn't get put on the shelves at like a Barnes and Noble or something like that. So does he have any strategies that he's come across over the years to overcome the, the the censorship of actually having a physical copy of his book in a bookstore? You know, Scott, I it would be very, very nice if you could ask him on my behalf. Okay. The thing is that the man, um, I think, has, has terrible pressures to face on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh, yeah. Without his author's bugging him as to you know I, the last thing i ever want to do is to get in touch with chris milligan in a what the hell's going on manner yeah if you see what if you oh, see yeah. what, what i mean and uh, the thing is that you know uh, how am i going to say this without sounding arrogant but um out of all of the things i think that he's ever published it it does make sense i mean i'm the man who says everything's a rich man's trick other people have said, oh, Franklin scandal, yeah, that that's a trick. This air crash was a trick. This is wrong. That is wrong. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'm the man who has come along and said, everything you've ever heard, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's on TV, you're hearing about it for a reason, and that reason is that a, a rich man wants you to know because in some way he's deceiving you. Yeah. And it's going to do him good in some way to, to, to an extent that the vast majority of the public simply cannot conceive of. You can't because we've been doing this for so long. When something comes along like Ukraine, which is an obvious falsehood, yeah. you see through it immediately because your, you, your head is, is trained in that way. Your friends back in Oregon see him immediately. This, you know, shooting in Texas, the Uvalde thing, we'll probably get into that later. Immediately, you're asking yourself, you know, whoa, 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 what's going on there? Whereas the, the vast majority of people still soak up what we call broadcast news simply because it's the only thing that they ever hear, you know. So, with as I say, with my book, I can absolutely understand why the efforts of the oligarchs have been greater against me because, you know, they, they did the same thing. With my film, so it, it it doesn't surprise me that it's banned. And to me, all it does is once again <clears throat> aggrandize 
the spleen that we should all be feeling yeah. against the powers that be because it's obvious that we're living in a totalitarian state and not in a de democracy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and every more, like more and more every day, it's becoming like a global totalitarian state. Like, exactly. like the lines are blurring, like, you know, like the, the, the borders are kind of disappearing, which, you know, I know, I know all the anarchists out there, they're like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. But like, you know what I mean? But it's not in the direction that we were hoping, right? I mean, we were necessarily yeah. hoping, right? So anyway, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's alarming for sure. But, you know, I would say honestly, though, Francis, like, you know, these brick and mortar bookstores like they're dying anyway like who even goes to these places anyway like maybe these are the type of people that we're not even trying to reach you know the people that are still going to get a coffee at barnes and noble or probably like the furthest thing from their mind is like the, the 9 11 or jfk assassination it's like that isn't even our target audience like i say let's exploit and maximize the exposure of the website and and online internet traffic sales you know which means getting you more out in the public like like let's get you on the podcast circuit let's get you on all these people's shows talking about the book getting it out in people's faces because i feel like you know we're always looking for red pills to open people's eyes to some of the stuff that we're talking about and your not only your film but now this book would be a great way to put in front of that you know loved one that's like hey you know have you heard about all this maybe you should take a look at some of this stuff like a nice gift or a coffee table book you know what i mean it's a useful tool so i feel like maximizing your exposure right now and letting people know that hey Okay, so for example, like prior to going online here, I, I posted the fact that we were going live and I posted in various different Discord channels and Telegram channels. And I got a lot of feedback. I got several people reaching back out saying, like, oh, I love Francis. I love his movie. His movie was instrumental in waking me up. There's probably probably people in the chat right now that are watching who who, you know, your your film was such an instrumental part of their awakening process. So now that it's available in book form, I feel like like it's a useful tool that now people can then give to somebody else to help their awakening process. So I say, let's just maximize your, 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 uh, online sales, you know, like let's, just, yeah, let's just readjust your thinking. Like, don't be discouraged about the fact that it's not in brick and mortar stores. Cause that's just a useless thing anyway, man, who cares about that? You're, you've got a amazing book literally on the digital shelf, ready to be purchased. So let's, let's push that. Right. Absolutely. Well, it sounds great. If you could make it happen, I'd be very, very grateful because, the, uh, again, with, with for people who are new to this, um, you know, this man, this wonderful man who's interviewing me now, ladies and gentlemen, he's, you know, done everything he can to help um, the, the main focus of, of all of this, which is to get part two of my movie made, because it seems like the whole world has been asking me for, for heaven knows yeah. how long now to get the part two out there. And the powers that be, because they've stopped me getting any kind of financial support or any mm. kind of film fund, any kind of distribution deal, it, it's, it just hasn't become possible. And it still, you know, is making me slowly die of frustration. Um, I did hope, Scott, that, you know, the book would take care of the financial problems, but they, you know, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. um, it, they, it, you know, once again, it just <clears throat> proves that the rich are going to pull every dirty trick that they can yeah. to, st to stop my work, to stop me getting financed, to stop me getting any help or support whatsoever. So uh, all I can say is I'm very, very grateful. And I'm sure all your friends and, and, and I'm sure eventually the rest of America will be very, very grateful for everything you're trying to do, my friend. It's it's beautiful. Well, thank you, Francis. Like, like, well, we're going to try and get some awareness going today. So we'll, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Right. You know? So, um, you know, that's, that, that would be, that's an exciting thought right there. So your, your sequel, right. It would be like, uh, nine 11 to COVID. Everything is still a rich man's trick or something like that. Right. Like, so what, what are some of these barriers 
that you are experiencing from from moving forward on production of a sequel? Oh, I, I wouldn't know where to start to to, to enumerate them, Scott. The, the, the point is that no matter oh, – I want, I want to make this useful to your audience, um, if I can. You see, the, the, the biggest handicap, and, and we've talked about this before, this is why I've, I've brought up uh, J. Edgar Hoover's famous line that uh, – let me, and let me get this exactly right – that the individual is handicapped mm. from coming across a conspiracy so huge he cannot believe that it, it exists. What you any new viewers to your channel and, and what any you know uninitiates would be struggling with right now is believing the size of the conspiracy that exists against us. No matter where I've gone, whenever I've approached any man who's known to be sort of wealthy and, and, and successful. The, the Steven Spielbergs, the George Lucases, the, the old rock stars like Ian Anderson, who wrote to me. I mean, most of the time you're just getting ignored. Ian Anderson in particular, for those who don't know, this was the, the, the great songwriter who uh, led Jethro Tull. Mm. And he was my hero when I, when I was a, a teenager. I, I just thought Ian Anderson was was godlike in the days when he was making uh you know thick as a brick and passion play and things i thought these were the the, the greatest works of art in the whole, whole of human history and i still think so uh but all of these men uh, and and you know no matter where i went no matter how hard i tried and that process is still continuing right now it's still going on i've contacted people in the last few weeks and even in the last few days to try and interest them in this whole idea of, uh, you know, supporting my work and financing uh, the part two, the finance and financing the sequel. It's an ongoing thing. Uh, but no matter how hard I try, no matter where I go, it is still the thing. I mean, you'll remember yourself, you know, me bringing this up uh, with Charlie Robinson at, mm. at length. You know, the power of the oligarchs to throw things in your way and, and basically just to stop you from getting finance it, it is it's all pervading you know that it, it it does make me wonder whether it's always the case that they you know that they have absolutely everybody as it were in a set of handcuffs because they know that they've given them you know sex with children and, it's, and they've got them on tape, that Jeffrey Epstein's got them on video or whatever. This is the main means of control. Sometimes, because I don't believe everybody is, is a pedophile, it, 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 life isn't like that. It, it, you know, it's like saying everybody's a gangster. No, not everybody's a gangster. I don't believe all of these people are pedophiles. Sometimes I think it just works with straightforward threats, and sometimes I think it, it, it's just sheer bribery. But whatever method, this is what your audience need to understand, whatever method they need to use to control someone, to stop them from financing you as well as me and anybody else who wants to tell the truth about what's really going on in our world, any method they have to use, they'll use it. And, and, and this is something that I hope any, any of your, your listeners and, and viewers We'll look into themselves because you really do need to look into it yourself. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, okay. So I'll be that as it may, like, let's, let's, let's consider that there is a deliberate effort to stop this production from happening. How do we overcome it? Is it, is it a, uh, is it a matter of manpower? Do we need to rally up a team of like editors and, and uh, videographers? Do we need to, uh, do we need to crowdfund? What about like a give, send, go? What if we did like a give, send, go, and we were to crowdfund part two of this film, like as, as a, as a group, like as a team, we all collaborate, collaboratively put together, throw in a little dime and and we make this happen. Like, like, Let's 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 think about solutions. Let's let's let's. I don't want I don't want them to have that type of power over me. You know what I mean. So I'm gonna fight Absolutely back. So. The, the thing yeah. is that that so the, the first thing I could bring up there um, is Jean Lara Tonda. Have you heard this name? I don't think so. Okay. Um, all of a sudden, on my Facebook page, uh, there was a thing popped up and said hello. It, it's you know newsletter thing. I'm Jean Lara Tonda. And he's now become apparently the uh, head coordinator or something like that of the 9-11 Truth Movement. Mm. And what he was saying was we're reestablishing ourselves as the 9-11 Truth Movement, as something that has members, as far as I'm aware, paid up members who are actually sort of, you know, trying to be part of a big club or, or, or whatever in order to do something positive. And the, the reason that this is now going on is that the 9-11 truth people realized they'd been infiltrated realized that they'd been handicapped by people who were not genuine truth seekers who were obviously cia agents who had got inside the the organization who were just stopping them from doing anything positive they could have done something positive by now especially legally because apparently they've got lots of lawyers in in, in that organization <clears throat> but they've not even tried so, big rehash, and uh, what Gene wrote, and this is what maybe gives me just a tiny little bit of hope, uh, was 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 good. It, it, I thought that it was very, very well written, very professionally written, set out the whole new standard and, and the way that you have to approach it. You know, obviously saying, you know, we don't want anybody denigrating the Jews. Apparently there's been a lot of that. But you see, that's... That's one of the, the tricks of the CIA, you see, it, it is to try and use the Jewish bo boogeyman. That, that's that's one of the what, what the inf infiltrators oh, yeah. have, have done. Oh, yeah. Any movement, any movement that you have, all you got to do is march some whack job working for the establishment through with a swastika flag and your whole thing is out the window. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You see, the, the pe people obviously sort of draw back from that. So, um, you again. You could get in touch with Tim uh, Gaither about this be, uh, because I, I was I was on his show as I said just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He 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 intimated that he he might be prepared to try himself. You see, it's always been a problem for me to, as it were, shout for myself to for people to give me finance. That, I mean, who 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 can ever do that? Hey man, come on, give, you know, give me half a million dollars. Go away. You know that's just life sort of yeah. thing. If a group of people or if a huge organization of people are saying, look, this is important. Mr. Connolly's work is important. Everything is a rich man's trick is important. The first part needs to be properly, you know, put out there with German translations, foreign translations, Spanish, Italian. You know, The first part needs to be out there in cinemas and a sequel needs to be made and it needs to be financed. So there's Gene Laratonda saying we've started again. And he says he's got 43,000 members who, from what the way he was saying it, it's, it's like these are people who are paid up, who want to belong to the 9-11 Truth Movement, who
who really want to do something this time. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be much easier, Scott, if a man like yourself could get in touch with Gina. And it's it's dead easy. It's Gene. It's yeah, it's Gina Laratonda.com. That's it. Gina Laratonda.com. Um, if someone like you who's who's always supported me, and I'm so grateful for that, could say to Gene, look, you might not realize just how big this movie's been, Gene. You may not realize just how many followers Mr. Connolly's got. This is something that generally has been seen over a billion times. If you want that checked out, we can show you the Google Analytics, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, it would only take all 43,000 members to say, okay, there's my iPhone, five dollars into one fund, and that would be 200 grand or, or, or more, and that would give me the money to do the, the the thing that I want to do mainly at the moment is to, is to slightly upgrade it, Scott. I can't I can't remember if, if I mentioned this last time, but uh, I was never satisfied with uh, not being able to use actors and various other tricks in the original version of everything as rich man's tricks. So my dream at the moment is to make a director's cut, if, okay. if you want to put it that way, you know, yeah. and, and to having done it, to then uh, take that director's cut, get the German translation first, because I, I still, you know, the Germans still don't know their, their own true history, mm. get the Italian version, the French version, the Spanish version, the Arabic version, the Chinese version. Someone could, you know, make billions out of this, and, and they know it. If they were to help me, but yeah. you see, the billions don't matter to those people who were who've already got billions who are out there thinking, well, if this goes around the planet and creates the homogeneity of outlook that my film has created in the English-speaking world, if every working man on the planet suddenly is in a position where he's saying to himself, "Ah, I see it now, Mr. Connolly. Thank you. My enemy is not the black man." The Jew, the woman, the Arab, the Israeli, da 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 da. You know, we're always being given enemies. We're always, you know, being given this divide and rule strategy. If every working man on the planet was saying to himself, aha, I've got it. My enemy is the man up there, the man who's got me dangling like, you know, a puppet on strings. Everybody's enemy is is the super rich. They're the people who are making our lives hard. They're, they're the people who are giving us fake news every day, you see. So that's why they they, they want to stop this from happening. And, well, it, I mean, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? You, you know, if Gene Arotonda is on the level, and, and I hope he will forgive me, but I've got to say that because there are so many traders out there and so many con men out there. I mean, come on, he's American. He's a grown-up. Who who knows? I mean, I've I've only heard his name. I've never seen him speak. Maybe you should have him on the show. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it sounds like a great idea. I mean, if he, if he's yeah. the man who's just who's just put together the nine eleven truth movement again, it sounds like a great idea. But in terms of concrete achievement, because as you know, and I think you're one of the you know, if, if anybody wanted to hear a man describe why who who really understands what i'm talking about here you know better than probably anybody on the planet the difference between the world before my film and after my film i'm not for anybody who is seeing this now who thinks me arrogant i'm not trying i never have tried to take credit for all the great work that other people have done especially men like david ike there are lots of other terrific people who've you know Break, broken down barriers and, and, and done great things. 
what is ge generally accepted about me and my work is that the movie Everything is a Rich Man's Trick gave some kind of intellectual prestige to the truth movement that it didn't have previously. That it was almost as, as if before my movie, it was like a, a little wave, the truth movement. And then after my movie, it was like a tidal wave. Somehow, somehow there was this strength and power behind the whole thing. And that there were suddenly millions and millions of people behind the whole thing who were looking at the world and saying, ah, well, thank you. Yes, I see it. That's fake news. I couldn't see that before. That's fake news, and I couldn't see that before. So it's it, it, my movie in terms of con concrete achievement has changed the way that the, the I don't want to say the whole world thinks, but certainly the it, people in the English-speaking world generally do not think in the same way now about the mainstream media in particular and politics generally. And proof of that is what has happened with this Muslim terrorism thing. I mean, to any of you, your new viewers, I, I would ask them right now, well, what happened to ISIS? Yeah, Where exactly. Where, where, where's that gone? Yeah. Why should it be that we had all those years of being told, ooh, there's a, there's a bomb in that dustbin over there, there, there's a bomb at the railway station, there's a Muslim going to come down your street any moment now with a hand grenade, and he's going to be driving a bus and run over your kids, and yakety, yakety, and we heard that for God knows how long. Not anymore. Why? Where did it go? You know, and and and, and I want people to understand Scotland. It, 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 just to make one final point about this, that if my movie hadn't come along, all of the the necessary distractions that have uh, that they've shown people to try and get people to stop thinking about Prince Andrew and the whole paedophile movement, the whole thing with Brexit, which was only invented because of Jimmy Savile, mm. the whole thing with, with the pandemic. We'd have never heard of the pandemic if we still had the Muslim thing. The, yeah. they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have invented the pandemic. And the reason they've invented Ukraine is because Prince Andrew paid off Virginia Roberts and people immediately started saying, well, where did you get the money? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's just phenomenal how that, like, now now that, like, you know, uh, you know, quote-unquote Islamic terrorism is no longer uh, necessary to their agenda, just kind of been brushed off to the side, you know? That's a whole... We could spend hours talking about that, but you just touched on something that I'm really curious to hear about. I haven't heard this brought up before. Um, Jimmy Savile. So we know Jimmy Savile to be one of the most horrendous human beings, like even if, if he is even human being, to ever walk Whoa. the planet. Uh, but now I haven't heard the correlation between Brexit and Jimmy Savile. And I think, you know, a lot of us over here in America maybe don't have a full comprehension about well, what yeah. Brexit was, but how, how, what, what would, what is your take on how? Brexit was associated with Jimmy Savile. And then maybe just give us a brief rundown about who Jimmy Savile is for anybody that may not know. Okay, Jimmy Savile was a uh, DJ in Britain. That was how huge, he started. Huge. He was like huge. He would be like the equivalent of like nowadays, like what, Simon Cowell or like, like not even that, or like 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 Ryan, no, I, Fresh, yeah. or like one of those guys. Like, like I, I, yeah, I, I think in terms of what Clark, people, Clark, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, in terms of what people would understand now, it's it's a fair analogy, Scott. The thing was, he, he before he was famous, he he, he was just a, a, a disc jockey at local venues mm -hmm. in Manchester and places like that. And he uh, was given a chance by the BBC. When Radio One started, he he was one of the first DJs on on Radio One, along with Tony Blackburn and, and several others. And people had no idea that that's that's the point, what was going on. But from the moment that the whole thing with rock and roll shows 
began and there were men who who were paid to introduce the acts like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and one thing and another. The powers that be realized that because they had this huge audience of young people, that anybody with a microphone could become a huge influence over this, this new way of, of living that was rock and roll living. So they had to find a way to control them. And they therefore started this thing with sex with, with children. Mm. And you, so you had a situation where Jimmy Savile, he was given his own TV show. It was called Jim will fix it. And it couldn't have looked more innocent and it couldn't have looked more humanitarian and positive and beautiful because what he was doing was saying, the children got a right to me <clears throat> and I'm going to make their dreams come true. And he used to do things like, you know, if, if a, a kiddie particularly liked the pop group, he would try to get them to sing with the pop group, you know, if, if that was their dream or, or something. Or if they wanted to, to fly with the RAF or something like that. It, it, was, that, it was that kind of thing. So... What they were doing was they were presenting this man as the most perfect avuncular figure. He he he, he was like presented as a saint. A philanthropist, that, a philanthropist, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it, I would say he was something even greater than that. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Because it, it was as if he, he he it was like he was Father Christmas. Yeah. It was it, it was as, it was as that and <clears throat> really. What I want people to realize now is that the establishment, the British establishment, is Jimmy Savile. That's what I want people to understand. The facade is not the reality, because the reality was that Jimmy Savile was making this TV show. He was presenting Top of the Pops. He was this perfect icon. And the moment the cameras were, were there, the moment everything was switched off, he was going into uh, Broadmoor Hospital, a famous hospital in, in Britain. And because he was supposed to be the head of this uh, health charity, he was given the run of the place and he used it to abuse children of both sexes. They, uh, he had sex with the dead. He abused corpses. He was truly a sexual nutcase of the first water. And in various interviews, without going into you know the, the last sort of specifics of it, but he he made no bones about it. Truly, that that uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, this is the, the Queen's husband who's now died recently, uh, was his best mate, and that they were fornicating all over the place. That that, that he he's, he made it obvious he could walk into Buckingham Palace whenever he wanted, because he was knighted by the Queen, mm -hmm. and that they were just having this, you know, sexual romp going on with, with young girls for years and years and years and years and years. Once it got near the end and he was uh, confronted about it, uh, particularly by uh, Louis Theroux, the journalist Louis Theroux, and Louis Theroux tried to be really kind of cute and clever about the whole thing and, 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 and say, oh, you know, uh, Back of the car, but they're in the back of the limousine. The thing is, Jimmy, people are, you know, they've got this thing. A few people keep saying to me, you're not a pedophile, are you? And, and his answer 
was and it's now being taken off YouTube. I mm. can't find it now. But his answer, he's smoking on a cigar, cigar and, and he's saying, well, how do they know whether they, whether they are, I am or not? Well, <laughs> would you answer like that? No, <laughs> I, I haven't seen this clip. I'm really curious now. Who, I mean, who would, who would answer like that? It could not be more obvious in this interview that, you know, that he's messing around with little girls in a way that he shouldn't. And the bit that I now can't find is where he says out loud, the point is, if I go down, I'm taking everybody else down with me. Yeah. Now, this is the man who spent several new years with as, as, as the best friend of Margaret Thatcher and Dennis Thatcher when she was prime minister. This is a man who was the Duke of Edinburgh's best mate for years. It was publicly known that he counseled Prince Charles and, and Diana when they were having troubles in their marriage. He could not have been more establishment. Mm -hmm. He could not have been any more Sir Jimmy Savile. So that's what I, I hope the, the public wind up understanding here is that the establishment is Jimmy Savile. They always give you this presentation. They put this in front of you and say, that this is reality. This is what we really are. And behind it, basically, Scott, there's the devil. They are devils. Jimmy Savile was a devil. The establishment are devils. And like yeah. you say, there's, 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 it's, it's unspeakable what he did. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. And, and, you know, it was kind of an open secret around there, too. Like the BBC and, and, and it came it only came out after his death. Then people started coming forward, you know, with uh, their their evidence and accounts and testimonies and started to actually unpack what he was actually all about. Right. And so this was kind of an open secret and, and probably in the in the same mentality of the fact that they all knew that they were going down with him because they were at, if nothing else, at least covering for him. Right. Well, the thing that, that most got me, Scott, and again, in terms of giving your, your audience something useful, anybody who wants to research that in terms of what was going on around the time that Savile died, and this was the thing that got me more than anything else, and I hope that your audience will at least have heard the name of Sir Thomas More, hmm. who was tried by Henry VIII. When it was sort of announced what had really been going on and, and the amount of victims coming forward had started to reach into the hundreds. These were women in their thirties and forties who said, Jimmy Savile sodomized me when I was 12. He raped me when I was 14. He, he did all these terrible things to, to young girls. And when it all came out, the journalists, the good journalists, not the whores who work for the BBC, the good journalists started asking, well, what was going on with the BBC Board of Governors? I mean, they appointed him. They knew all about him. They knew what was going on. Everybody in the BBC, as you say, it was an open secret. They knew what was going on. So the Queen appoints the Board of Governors because she has the jurisdiction over whether or not these are right and fit people to decide on what we, the public, should see. Mm. So, yeah, so they turned around and said, well, uh, could we please have a statement from Her Majesty as to what's been going on here and what does she have to say about the fact that the BBC Board of Governors have this hands-off policy to Jimmy Savile? And what came back was... Two words, no comment. Now, 
I brought Sir Thomas More because when he was put on trial, and he was, you know, what they put it to him that his silence on the on the matter of the of the king's supremacy, that because he he married, he'd got rid of his wife, he divorced his wife and married Anne Boleyn, and Sir Thomas More had simply kept quiet about it, and it was put to him that this meant that he was denying the king's title. And his retort was, no, 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 sirs. No, 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 my lords. It's not like that. The maxim of the law is, qui tacit consentire. Many, many intellectuals have brought this up. And it means silence gives consent. And Thomas More's argument was, <clears throat> you know, through my silence, you can only say that I was given consent, not that I denied. Well, it seemed to me that at the time it was obvious that the journalists who brought this up and, and their lawyers should have construed if you want to put it in a, in a legal way well the queen has said no comment well doesn't that mean that, therefore that by her silence through that same maxim that she's giving her consent to child sexual abuse that is how i would argue if someone was to ask me to go into court now to try this whole thing which is what I'm, i've been trying to do recently uh, that, that that's how i would have argued it so you know, your audience need to understand that when the Queen was asked about Jimmy Savile, come on, say something. You've got to account for it in some way. Her response was no comment. As far as no I'm concerned, that means she was giving her absolute carte blanche, yeah, go ahead, do, do what you want, to child sexual abuse. And, and really, with, with what's come out since then, Scott, uh, with Prince Andrew, yeah, see, I was going to steer towards Prince Andrew because I know, I know you, you've been, you've been on the Prince Andrew beat for a while now. So let's let's get into that. <laughs> well, yeah. how would you like well, to get? No, no, let's, look, we're, this is a good segue. Like, what was his involvement uh, with Prince or with uh, uh, Jimmy Savile? Well, I think that all of uh, the royal the royals, and I think all of um, that clique mm -hmm. were involved. I mean, certainly uh, Jimmy Savile. There does seem to be very persuasive evidence that he was the pimp of um, Ted Heath, the Tory prime minister at the time, that he was getting little boys for him from the Haute de la Garenne um, orphanage. I mean, can you, I mean, again, you, your audience might be sit, sitting, listening to this, maybe somebody who's never heard this for the, for, before. Yeah. Might, you know, you could imagine them going, are you kidding me? He yeah. was ra raping orphan boys? Yes. And not only was he raping orphan boys, he was murdering them dozens at a time because there are witnesses who said that they saw him taking these little boys on his yacht, which was very well known. It was called the Morning Cloud. Apparently his guards daubed it the morning sickness because mm -hmm. they knew what was going on and they never said anything. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. But apparently that was what Jimmy Savile was doing. He was providing little boys to the prime minister of the day, Ted Heath, who was raping raping them, throwing them overboard. And these are the people who Prince Andrew and Prince Charles and all the rest of them are hanging around with. So I don't see any reason to doubt that they're doing exactly the same kind of things. Yeah, and you would think given the opportunity, if you didn't have anything to do with any of this stuff, like the Queen had, she would denounce him with every ounce of venom she had. She would be like, no, that demon, I hope he's burning in hell right now. You know, but it's like, oh, no comment. No comment, really. That's what yes, and Scott, you couldn't make the point any better because she's still out. She's never said anything about it. Yeah. She's never said a no, no, Boris Johnson, Richie uh, Sunak, the, the, 
It, I mean, it, it does not matter where you look. None of them ever say a word about Prince Andrew or the pedophile network. Mm-hmm. Why would that be? Well, as the great Alex Jones says, Boris Johnson. Now, I'm not saying he's a pedophile, but if I was to cast one, of, if I was to go to Central Casting and ask for a person to play a pedophile in a movie, it would be him. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying he is. I'm just saying, like, he, he, I mean, yeah. The thing <laughs> is, he he looks. The, to me, it's very interesting. The first of all, he does resemble um, Ted Heath. Yeah, a great. I mean, the, the very much. I mean, they could have been brothers. You know, yeah. Teddy is taller, but it, it, they could have been brothers. But the, the thing with with uh, with Boris is that uh, you know your older people might remember Charles Lawton, the actor mm. Charles Lawton, who was a wonderful actor. Please don't understand misunderstand what I'm saying here. He was fantastic, wonderful voice, brilliant actor. But he was used in movies because he was just so pig ugly mm. and, and, and therefore he was the perfect nemesis. He was Captain Bly in, in, uh, in one version of, uh, you know, that, that movie about, about the mutiny, mutiny on the bounty. Um, and, and once again, as you say, Boris Johnson, <laughs> he, he, he looks exactly like that. I mean, it, it, it's fascinating to me, Scott, uh, you know, as an Englishman, how they keep finding these people who, you know, it, it makes me wonder what kind of an impression foreigners get, really, of 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 us. Because I mean, here speaking our language, like like literally, it's hilarious watching like the the Saturday Night Live equivalent of like Saturday. Let's see, the Saudi Arabian equivalent of Saturday Night Live, like doing skits about like like uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden is just like, oh god, it's so funny, dude. Like I can't even imagine. Like, yeah, where do they find these people? These le- these so called leaders? They like just they just they just oh my. God, like, where do they find them? It's fast. <laughs> but the thing is, you, you, you see, again, with you, with you, anybody who's in your new audience, they groom them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. From well, I don't want to say childhood, but they find these people when they're very, very young. As with Tony Blair, who we've discussed many times, they find uh, somebody who they know mm-hmm. is a disgusting, vile, self-serving character. Yeah, and they test them. A, a very good example um, would be Rebecca Brooks. I don't know if, if we've ever discussed uh, Rebecca Brooks so. before, Scott. She was. Um, everybody knows that Rupert Murdoch is, you know, the head of this News Corp thing, yeah. and, and you can, yeah, you can you can hardly buy a newspaper or watch the TV without you know his influence. And when the news of the world paper was, the newspaper was going in, in this country, she was hired as just, she was just a secretary. She, she, was, she was just another one of the secretaries in, in the timing pool. But you see, dirty people at the top are very, very adept because birds of a feather stick together in life. Scott, we all know this. And they're very, very adept at spotting somebody who's as creepy and dirty and self-serving as they are. And what happened was that, you know, Rupert Murdoch, I think he's seen this Rebecca Brooks, this woman, go on, and and he's realized she could be one of us. She could be a real evil little self-serving creep as well. And he'll have tested her. 
he'll have set up a situation to see if she was prepared to stab somebody or someone else in the back to to get up the ladder, you see. And she's done it. And she wound up as the editor of his paper. And it was that that led uh, to the phone hacking scandal, uh, this terrible uh, case where uh, uh, this lovely teenage girl uh, was murdered. And uh, the journalists were, uh, after she was murdered, they were hacking her phone. Mm. Uh, I mean, there was outrage right throughout the country. And yet I I said all the way through what was known as the Leveson Inquiry, if any, you know, a lot of your viewers these days, you know, they're happy to do their own research. If anybody wants to put it into Google, the Leveson Inquiry looked into the phone hacking scandal and Rebecca Brooks' involvement and, and the involvement, as I say, of, of News Corp and one thing or another. And I said all the way through that, Re- that Rebecca Brooks and, you know, the boss man himself, you know, that Rupert Murdoch wouldn't go to jail. I said that right from the very beginning that, that whatever they found, that those two would not go to prison, and they didn't. They should have done. They couldn't have done anything more heinous, but they didn't go to prison. Terrible. Wow, that's fascinating. And you know, it's it's so true. Like they, so these these puppets that they put out in front of us, right? I think that they are very much selected, following a criteria of like who's the most corruptible, who's the most like greedy, yeah. who's the most sociopathic, like who who can yeah, like fit the formula and carry out what we want, and and we being the people at the top who. I believe are also groomed for those positions, you know, and now we're talking like the different strata, like the next level up from these politicians that are the front facing uh, faces of all this right now. We're talking about people who are like behind gated communities, like people like, like very, very like wealth beyond our wildest imaginations, you know, a a resource that I, I really, I came across that really just kind of blew my mind with all this. Like, have you, have you heard of Fritz Springmeier? Are you familiar with his work? I've heard the the name. I'm starting to hear this yeah, this name more. Fritz Spring. So, you tell me. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote he wrote the famous book, The Bloodlines of the Illuminati, right? And that's that's one of those books that everyone's seen oh, and read about, heard about. Um, very hard to get a hard physical copy of it. Um, uh, you can get like a PDF version, and it's funny when you type in uh Bloodlines of the Illuminati PDF, like in any search browser, like the the main one that pops up is the CIA. You could get a PDF version from the CIA.gov website, which is crazy. I don't even understand that. But uh, I would love to get like an original first edition of that book. But I think they're like thousands and thousands of dollars. And I think Fritz has kind of gone underground a little bit. But oh, anyway, yes. so his, what his story is that so he's from Oregon, too. Really? And what he, he came to be known for was uh, him and his now wife or, or wife at the time. I can't even remember. I haven't kept on, up on his story. But he uh, he was he was working with individuals who were born like came from like MK ultra or like satanic ritual abuse or like some like, you know, cult programming, stuff like that. And he was working with them to deprogram them, to get them to, to help, uh, you know, deprogram them from all the trauma based mind control that they'd experienced in their life. And, and in doing so, you know, he learned so much about the techniques that were used against these people. And he actually had the opportunity to interview people who were some of these programmers, you know, he, he got the inside scoop on, on all of these mind control techniques so much so that he wrote a book, and this is another book that's impossible to find, but you can get a PDF version of it. And and I I uh, I read I read most of it, but it was like the most excruciating book I've ever read. I couldn't even finish it. Like I had to like put it down because it goes into great detail about how they intercept people from a from prior to be even being born, and they begin the process of yeah. trauma based mind control while they're still in the womb, and yeah. it's so insane and then i was going to show you guys here and it's it's a crazy title i don't even know it's like the most insane title 
But uh, if you type in, I mean, the literally the title of the book is the Illuminati formula used to create an undetectable total mind control slate. That's the name of the book. So if you type that into a search browser, you can get a PDF version of it. But it's basically it goes into everything, like all the drugs they use, all the techniques, like uh, like literally while the while the child is still in the womb, they will start like poking through the mother's stomach and poking it with a needle to like inflict trauma even before it's born. And they like to have premature. They like the baby to be born prematurely, like they'll do a C-section to intentionally do a premature birth because the moment it's brought into the world, it's already subjected to com complete trauma. And they keep that going to create a psychopath like and these these are like the, the super elites that are you know they have children that are completely off the books no social security number no birth certificate and these are the people that get bred and brought up into this world and then get placed into high positions to carry out their agenda and just it's just insane how fritz springmeyer kind of covers this and and uh his, his is a crazy story I've, I've reached out to him like what contacts i have several times to try to get him on the show but he's i think he's kind of gone completely underground these days um and he doesn't really publish his books anymore um he actually got caught up in a whole thing where he um i don't know exactly the ins and outs there's a lot of conflicting stories about it but he basically was uh caught up in like an armed robbery or something like that and ended up doing like 10 years in federal prison and it seems like a lot like a lot of it seems to me like he was maybe set up to kind of because he was very very <laughs> effective at, at uh dropping truth that so anyway, it's just a crazy story. But yeah, that, that particular book like really goes into the idea of, you know, they, they deliberately create these people that turn into just creatures. That's sad. It's really tragic. And like I said, like, so, I'm, so, I'm so glad you brought this up, though, because it's so difficult to get across, I think, to the general public, just how fantastic the whole thing sounds you know and, and and to make them realize <clears throat> that that there is this power elite in the world who think about nothing but power yeah and how to keep it and how to control it and and that's their life that, that they, they and whatever needs to be done in, including you know traumatizing babies in the womb i find that fascinating in in, in itself because i've not heard that before and i'm very grateful for that and please send me a link to that to that work because <clears throat> to me with what i do <clears throat> excuse me I'm, I'm, it's very hot in this room because we've had sunshine coming in this ah. way all day so i'm already starting to get a bit of a dry throat but the, the thing is that um, to anybody who's already wondering what that is all about, I would recommend that they watch some of the interviews with uh, the Iceman, Richard Kuklinski, mm -hmm. um, the notorious uh, mafia hitman, because his story basically was that his father, even when he was a very little boy, uh, who was a brakeman on the railroad in like the 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 fifties in in America, would come in the door at night drunk and beat him up with his fists, even when he was a tiny, skinny little child. And then when he went crying to his mother, his mother would beat him with a broomstick. So what he had is what he had was this appalling situation where both parents, the, the people who were supposed to love you, when you're a little boy, were just beating him senseless all the time, and it. You know, when when you see him in the interviews, you know it's, it's it's very plain that what's happened is that the people who should have loved him didn't. Yeah, he had to react to that just to survive in in, in a violent way because it, it, the violence in him started in his own neighborhood uh, he, when he started getting up by 
beaten up by street gangs and, and you know he would he, he would get hit by them and he realized the only way to survive when he's got his parents beating him up and people people beating him up outside the house as well that the only way to, to go on living was just to, to hit back and and that because by then he'd grown like six foot five and he turned out to be a six foot five inch 300 pound man and he, that was how he he lived and that is the story with so many psychopaths is that they are appallingly emotionally hurt when they're little and the ruling class know this you see that the, the, this whole thing about you know psychologists and psychotherapy they've, they've been doing it forever that they know how to manufacture a monster. Yeah, that's it. Manufacturing a monster, man. That's that's such a good way to put it, man. It's so crazy. And they need those people in those roles. Like you have to be a psychopath. You have to be uh, evil. You, they, they cultivate and, and encourage people to become evil in order to carry out these agendas. You can't be at the the level pulling the levers of the like from the COVID thing, for example, without being evil to some degree. And they, they try to cultivate that. And it's like a culture of evil. It's, it's just crazy, man. It's crazy. So I want I want to I want to pause here for a second. Everybody in the chat, like I'm super stoked. Everybody in Rockman here is watching. I see legit bats hanging out. Uh, Rock, uh, let's see, Kevin's hanging out. Dale, you guys, what we're gonna do here? Oh, Denver, Denver's hanging out. So what we're gonna do, guys? Is we're gonna. I want Francis. Are you good to go for a little bit longer? We're pushing an hour here, but uh, that's no problem with me at the okay, moment. Cool. What I want to do is like say, if you guys have any questions for Francis here, I want to open up. So I'll be keeping an eye on the chat. If anybody has any questions for Francis, we want to do like a Q and A here, maybe towards the end, but uh. Uh, so you guys, if you have any questions, put them in the chat. If you want to put it in super chat format, that would be cool. But I'm just saying like, yeah, we'll keep an eye on the chat. But, uh, Francis, one thing I wanted to talk to you about. So you were asked to be a, a public speaker, uh, recently. Uh, how was, how did that go? Tell us about that. Not, not asked, uh, Scott, I've, I've been oh, thinking thanks. all day, how in the hell am I going to compress this anecdote? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, well, it, it's, it's just that I, I think that it, that it is, uh, worth hearing and, and I, I don't want to mess this up. And as I say, take too long over it. But I, I think, you know, once again, your, your new viewers might be um, interested in hearing this because it did become my first, my maiden political speech, if you, if you want awesome. to put it, put it that way. What happened was that after Prince Andrew, for those who don't know, was stripped of all of his military titles by the Queen, a story appeared in uh, the British press that said, oh, the City of York Council want to take away his Duke of York title. And the idea is being proposed by the MP for York, whose name is Rachel Maskell. Now, I was surprised by this because Rachel Maskell, I'd, I'd corresponded with her in the past, and I knew she was corrupt. It was very easy to, to tell. And all of a sudden, she's coming out with what appears to be a, a positive idea. So I, I wrote to her. And I said, well, is there any chance that you could invite me to this meeting? Because I, in my naivety, thought that it would be for politicians and councillors only. You see, I didn't know the, the format at, at, at the time. To my great surprise, she wrote back at great length. And speaking as a former English teacher, if she had written what she wrote to me in class, I wouldn't have given her a D minus. Mm. I mean, this is the kind of level that we're talking about with literacy, with politicians. I mean, she's just hopeless. Uh, but she basically got on a, on a high horse and tried to tell me that I was totally wrong about Ukraine being, being fake. And so that all just basically faded away. I then discover that the whole point of this meeting is that it's supposed to be an open public meeting. And not only that, if you want to go along, 
and make a speech, you can go along and make a speech. So I thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> me? <laughs> They're going to let Francis Richard Conley talk, speak against the Duke of York in a, 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 a meeting that's an open public forum? So I, we have, Scott, in, in York, a democratic services. Hmm. I don't know if you've got one where, where, you, where you are, but I, I was surprised to learn this. Democratic services aspect of the local council. So I get in touch with him, and I and I said, you know, you, you know who I am, don't you? Say, oh yes, Mr. Conley, we all know who you are, right? I said, Fiona Young was her name, very nice lady. And I said, well, Fiona, come on, no one's going to let me of all men speak at this meeting. She said, well, Mr. Conley, there's a, a form to fill in. It's all you've got to do, fill it in. I fill it in. I send it back. She says, okay, you are now inscribed. This was the Tuesday before the Thursday that the meeting was supposed to take place. I immediately thought, there's going to be trouble over this. They ain't going to let this go. No chance. And the next day, at, this was the Wednesday at 8 o'clock at night, the council offices close at 5. How do I get an email at 8 o'clock at night? So somebody's obviously delayed this email and it's telling me, oh, all of a sudden it's not going to be an open public meeting. That's been cancelled. It's going to be Zoom only. It's going to go mm. ahead, but it's going to be Zoom only. Well, there was apparently, and this even surprises me now, apparently there were several councillors who objected to this. And I immediately wrote to the Lord Mayor and said, well, can't you see, this will have come from Boris Johnson himself. This will have come from 10 Downing Street. They don't want me, the author of Everything is Rich Man's Trick, to, to speak at this meeting. It's as simple as that. To my great surprise, the Lord Mayor wrote back and said, well, Mr. Conley, I think you might be right. <clears throat> so we're going to postpone the meeting and you'll get to do it later on. So a month went by. To my great surprise, I was allowed to make this speech. And the basic thing that I said was, it, it, this obviously it doesn't go far enough. We're going to take his title away. That's not going to stop him raping little girls. Come on. We need to do something to snip this whole VIP pedophile network in the bud. And I proposed what's known as a judicial review to York City Council and said, I want you to work with me to make this happen. Now, for any of those who are unfamiliar with uh, the, the law, this basically just means I wanted to work with, with York City Council so that as a city, we could take Prince Andrew to the High Court take the crown, take the royal family to the high, high court and the government to take Boris Johnson there as well to say <clears throat> there is ample evidence that you're running a VIP pedophile network for the purposes of sexual blackmail. It's obvious that this is what is going on. And the essence of law, and this is the same in your country as it is in, in mine, I've just checked out Judicial Review in America, it's just the same, the essence of law is that you cannot break the law to uphold the law. Yeah. There have been many times that the police have tried to do something like open a brothel to try and catch people who are pedophiles or, you know, sodomizing boys or, or, or whatever. But you see, you can't do that because then, you know, if you open a brothel, that, that, that's illegal, or at least it is here. You can't break the law in, in order to try and uphold the law. And that is what the elites are doing through the security services, through the CIA and, and MI5. Absolutely. And it's it's and, and after what has happened with Prince Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, no one could possibly doubt it. So 
this is what I proposed on the night. <laughs> and it went down like a lead balloon. There was no response. And they said, that's it, you're, you're out of time. So I therefore got in touch with all of York City Council, all 40 members after the event. Some I sent an email and some I actually phoned up at home. And the most basic response was me saying, look, surely you know, you're on the city council of one of the most important cities in the world. You've got to be interested in child sexual abuse. You can't possibly want Prince Andrew to just go on and on and on abusing little girls. That's got to interest you. Yes? No? Mm. And I said, well, I'm saying, well, you've got to be joking. And, the, and, and it's, in many cases, Scott, this is older women. This is women in their 60s. Yeah. And I'm saying, well, you've got to be interested in child sexual abuse. No, I'm not, Mr. Connolly. Good night. And they slammed the phone down. And since then, I've contacted Liverpool City Council because there was a, a big thing they had on, on TV. They made a big deal of it where the uh, Liverpool football supporters, they've just uh, lost the European Championship. Uh, you know, I think a lot of Americans will know that. Um, they were booing the national anthem and they were booing Prince William at Wembley during the FA Cup final. And a lot of people were saying it was disgraceful and some people were saying, well, they've got a right to the, their opinion or whatever. But it's very plain that Liverpool is anti-monarchy and anti-establishment very, very strongly. So I wrote to Liverpool uh, City Council. I sent an email to uh, Mayor Joanne Anderson. I'm going to name this woman. Do it. And, and and I wrote to uh, Mary Rasmussen, the, uh, the, the the mayor as, as well. And I've, I've told them what I've just told you and told you, your audience. And I said, well, you know, surely you've got to be interested. And surely if you're representing the people of Liverpool, who are obviously very anti-monarchy, surely you will help me to take this judicial review to the, the high court and, and take the crown of the high court. And again, no, not interested. Sorry, go away. And since then, um, a, a man called Mark Waters, who's a, uh, he, again, he, funny how you get a maverick just about everywhere. Just one man on the city council. He has told me that local politics in our area and right throughout the country, local councils are every bit as corrupt as the national government. So this is useful knowledge, I hope, for all of your viewers, because if they ever try themselves to, to make changes, this is the kind of thing that they're going to be up, up against. And in actual fact, I, once you know you finish this broadcast, Scott, it would be very interesting to me if, if you could, I don't know, maybe show them this interview or, or you know, send them an email to mention what I've, the frustrations that I've gone through in trying to do this, because I want someone in your country uh, to try to do the same thing. We need to have a judicial review on both sides of the Atlantic. Now, with everything that's gone on with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell and Prince Andrew, there is no doubt about what's really going on in the world. There is a child sex slavery organization preparing and giving to rich men children, babies sometimes, for them to have sex with beyond the law. And this is the main thing that we've got to stop. And if we could, our lives would be so much improved because we would be getting rid of the people who hurt us the most on a day-in, day-out.
basis. So I want this to happen on both sides of the Atlantic. Now, whether you're trying to get a newspaper to do it or several newspapers to do it, I mean, as we know, they're they're pretty much all corrupt as, as well. But, you know, someone's got to try to get some powerful body to take the government to court over this whole child sexual abuse issue. And that is what I'm trying to do at the moment. And anybody who wants to offer support, I'll be very glad for it. Yeah. And just that story in and of itself is just such a powerful uh, expose. Like that's a really good, like human interest story that I would like be interested in talking to you more about maybe online offline and we can put together some sort of like expose of, of this process, what you're describing right there of, of actually petitioning your local government to make, to actually do something about the most unimaginably awful crimes against humanity that you could possibly imagine. And their disinterest in it is yeah. the most shocking thing ever. So to document this further, I'd love to get, like I would say on your end, since you're involved in this process and you're on the inside and actually going through this process, like document as much as you can film as much as you can write down, take notes as you go. And this could be a very uh, important thing to, you know, do some sort of like mini documentary on or some sort of article that's some that could that could really have a big impact. I would say, you know, for me, like when you said uh, bring the government to court. That's where I see like the the big the big glaring hole in this whole thing is that the government exists primarily to, to protect these people. You know, I had a massive awakening. Here's another resource that I want to show people. So uh, this movie right here, it's still available on BitChute. It's, you can just type in Imperium 2018. It's a two-parter. It, it gets taken down and reposted all the time. It looks like right now there's this small channel that has parts one and two posted separately. It's about almost five hours total. But um, Imperium part one like basically it's a 10 part it it, it basically compiles 10 different documentaries together wow. um that all involve the it, 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 yeah, it talks about like child trafficking but it goes to the extent of really each one documents uh governments covering up cases of child trafficking that's really the focus of it and it goes all over the world it's like you know it's in america then it shows like both like republicans and democrats it shows uh, the UK is featured in several of them. Like this was really an eye opener for me when I first came across this, that like, wow, the UK has a really bad problem with this sort of stuff. Uh, Lithuania, Belgium, um, it goes all over the world and talks about, and by the time you're done watching it, you realize, and it's kind of a, it's a very black pill type of movie because you realize at the end that like, to me, my takeaway was like governments, these political systems, the judicial system almost exist solely to protect people who are trafficking children. Like that is the whole reason why we have governments in the world today is to yeah. protect these yeah. people. And when, and when you unpack it, like when you look at Europe or, or, or the UK, when you look at the Royal family, when you look at them, it almost seems like their position in world in the world and their power solely exists to cover up and protect child traffickers. That's like yeah. literally what it all is. It's so shocking and insane. And it's like, to me, you know, when I first started to come across this topic, I heard an interview on a show called the higher side chats with Greg Carlwood uh, with a lady named Fiona Barnett from Australia. And she was talking about her experience with satanic ritual abuse as a child and describing this stuff. And I'm just like, no way she's full of crap. And, and a lot of people out there say she's full of crap. And I haven't quite made that determination yet. Uh, but still what her story and her testimony, her account of what she, her lived experience. I at first was like, there's no way that could possibly be true. And I sought out to like maybe disprove her. And I looked into a lot of this stuff. And this was like maybe 2017, maybe 2018, when I started really looking into this sort of stuff. And I think that's where I came across that movie Imperium. And my biggest takeaway was like, wow, 
it is it is true like this is this is like the the way of the world it's just so crazy and a lot of people don't want to even think about this stuff and i hate to even go to this place and even think about this stuff but it's like yeah. you know once and i've made the connection to where like you know if you look back at 2019 i was just talking about this the other day on what was it i was on well with ernest hancock i was on with ernest hancock on his his show i'm gonna post that episode here shortly in the next couple of days but the topic came up there too that like you know think about like 2019 think back to 2019 they were getting uh like the, the 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 rich men at the top right they were getting their asses handed to them right there it was the yellow vest protests in europe right there was the uh there was the obviously the jeffrey epstein situation was at full blown everybody was waking up to the jeffrey epstein situation like he had just been uh suicided in his cell it was all coming apart Oh, they lost the surveillance footage. Yeah, right. We are on to you. We were nipping at their heels. We had them dead to rights back into a corner. And then, like, I don't know if you remember, too, there was actually, like, rumblings of a grand jury investigation to reopen 9-11. That was happening in, like, the Manhattan, like, you know, federal courts. They were looking to reopen. You hear about that here. Yeah, yeah. And so this. And this, this here. Yeah. And it was, like, it was all happening in 2019. And they had to pull COVID to cover up. They had to distract the world from exactly. some, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so it's like, you know, literally like you could even extrapolate that to be like COVID was a direct result of these child trafficking, child murdering elites becoming exposed. Like we were about ready to expose, right? I mean, isn't that what it is? Yeah, well, uh, uh, that's why I keep saying to, to people, Scott, for God's sake. Can't you make the connection? Prince Andrew does this bloody stupid interview where he comes across looking like the biggest liar that has ever existed in the universe. It's bloody obvious that he's a pedophile, that all his friends are pedophiles. He's been totally, you know, the can of worms just for once was the lid was lifted just for once. And just a few days later, COVID starts. Come on, everybody, wake up and grow up. Everything they tell you is a lie. Absolutely everything they tell you is a lie. You couldn't have put that better, Scott. You laid that out beautifully. You know what? Another thing, too, that I remember, too, that we were talking, I was talking about with Ernie was, uh, you remember in 2020? Okay, so now this is another thing, too. So this is when, like, the whole Q thing, right? The Q thing kind of came about. And that was, like, to get you to, like, you know, you know, look over here, look over there. Hillary Clinton, she's in the, the sewers, like, like, trafficking children in the sewers, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, kind of wacky stuff. And I think that... It served ultimately to not only pacify people into not protesting when they knew that they were about to pull this operation, maybe, or they knew that they had it in their back pocket. It was a pacification thing, but also it was also to discredit any talk of child trafficking, like institutional, industrial level child trafficking, anything like that can now can now in this world that we live in today can be dismissed as oh, that's QAnon stuff. Like you can I've actually had that happen. I was talking to a former coworker. You know, I, I worked at a, uh, <coughs> I, wor I worked, I worked with, uh, basically, you know, I worked at a, a separate office, but it, you know, it was like a, it was like a, a child. So it was like a preschool basically for like high risk children. And I worked in the, uh, you know, the drug addiction, uh, that we had like a separate drug addiction department and I was doing work for like the local courts and, uh, the drug court program. And I was working with like the child welfare program, like helping families who were involved, because of drugs and alcohol, stuff like that. But there was also like a, like a, like basically a preschool there. And I was even talking to like one of the, the teachers there, like this would have been like 2018. And I was like, like, I was just like, you realize that like child trafficking and I'm such a huge issue in the world. And they're like, Oh, that's QAnon stuff. And they're dismissing it. And they're like, Oh yeah, no, that's, that, that's not even true at all. So I've personally had that experience where, you know, if you even try to bring this topic up to a, 
a normie person, you know, they automatically dismiss it and say, no, that's crazy conspiracy theory because of the whole QAnon thing. Right. But I remember in, in December, 2020, in December, 2020, do you remember like there was this whole phenomenon of like all these CEOs stepping down, like all these CEOs, it was almost like every yeah. single CEO of like every yeah. corporation was stepping down. Yeah. And we and everybody in like the Q community. Was, this out, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Q community was like, oh, we got them. They're they know that we're gonna bust them for their child trafficking. But then COVID happened, and then it's like, oh, they knew COVID was about to happen. They knew that something major was going to happen in that regard. And so it's like all these rich men, all these people at the top, they knew they knew the game plan, they knew the play, they knew what was about to be executed. And uh and and it's still, I think it all goes back to the fact that these governments and the judicial system in every country solely exist to cover up and protect child traffickers. Yeah, and, and Scott, just the only thing I want to add to that, because, you, again, you've laid that out beautifully, that I want your audience to realize is that any um, top uh, psychologist, anybody who's got a PhD and, and they've, they've been in that line all their life, the one thing they, they always will tell you that they kind of know is true something they can prove is true that you know from looking at ted bundy from looking at richard kuklinski from looking at so many serial killers and and and, and you know jeffrey dahmer and the, and the way they behave the thing that they'll tell you is psychopaths never give up mm -hmm. that is the characteristic of a, of a psychopath it doesn't matter what situation you put them in. It doesn't matter how far you back them into a corner. It doesn't matter what the situation is. They never give up. And I'm so glad you brought up the word, word discredit because it, it we and in the middle of this lunatic game, and you, you laid that out so nicely, where people have got to realize that whenever you get important truths about this child sex slavery coming out as Bit by bit, you know, certain things have, especially with Prince Andrew. There's no way that the people at the top would ever just say, yes, okay, yeah, we admit it. Yes, it's all, it's all true. That's never going to happen because they know they're gone. It's over. If they ever admit that what's really happening in the world is what's happening in the world, they're finished because they've, They've committed so many murders. They've hurt so many children. They've done so many terrible things and do so many terrible things to us on a daily basis. They can never afford to be honest. So no matter what the situation may be, they're always going to say, well, okay, what lie do we have to tell next in order to get out, out of this? When the whole Jimmy Savile thing had become part of the, the public conscience in this country, there was then more investigations of other people like Harvey Proctor and Leon Britton, uh, uh, you know, Tory government uh, men years ago and, and some that still are. And they started looking into them and, and, you know, trying to find out what was going on. And somebody in MI5 must have come up with this idea to say, well, in order to get this off our backs, what we're going to have to do is make up something that we know is false, that will discredit the whole thing. So they came up with this story that there was this Carl Beach, I think that was the name, who had accused Harvey Proctor and Leon Britton and others of being homosexuals and abusing little boys. And it was all in the papers, Carl Beach this, Carl Beach this. 
And then it apparently went to court and Carl Beach was shown up to be a liar. Hmm. So then you have the headlines, ah, Harvey Proctor's innocent, Leon Britton's innocent, all of these people who've <clears throat> been accused of sodomizing little boys. There's nothing in it, you see. And this is what we're up against now. This kind of fake news is what we're up against. Yeah. <clears throat> this kind of control of, of the, the, the media is, is what we're up against. And I'm sure that it really, you know, it does people's heads in. Yeah, it does my head in. Yeah. But we've got to deal with it. Yeah, it's psyops on top of psyops on top of psyops. And something to be cautious of is is the fact that I think, and Ryan uh, here, the the Ryan Christian on Last American Vagabond, he's been doing coverage of this as well, where it's like, you know, they intentionally release doctored evidence. They intentionally release doctored photos, doctored videos. They intentionally release misinformation so that we will latch onto it and share it. And then they'll they'll disprove it and be like, aha, look at these stupid idiots to discredit. So it's imperative on us. And Ryan's always saying it too. You know, we have to be better. We have to be better than the mainstream exactly. media. So make sure, make sure you check your sources. Like I had somebody like sharing something uh, recently where it was like, you know, it was like, I, I think it's a deep fake video. Well, it has to be a deep fake video of like Albert Borla, the head of the Pfizer. Like he's talking and he's saying like, we, in the next two years, we need to reduce the world population by 50%. I'm like, oh, that's a deep fake. That's a deep fake guys. Come on now. And like everybody in the comments was like, oh, I can't believe like everybody was falling for us. Like we have to like vet stuff that we share. And I, I'm probably guilty of it too. In fact, okay. I'm guilty of it too. Like I shared in my telegram channel just the other day, like this footage of like these giant dolphins, like swimming through the air, at, like a concert. And the caption being like, you know, uh, look at this hologram concert with all these holograms. And someone pointed out, well, no, those are actually like drones, but it's still kind of cool looking. So I did it. I do it. all. I mean, I do it, too. So I didn't do my due diligence on that particular one. So we just have to be better and make sure that what we're sharing it allows us to maintain our credibility. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's that. There's that. But uh, the thing is, Scott, that your viewers are going to have to understand is that we at this moment have been forced to be into the situation of being. Soldiers in a propaganda war. Yeah. And the first thing that I would always want your viewers to, to bear in mind is that the one thing that they cannot deny, the one thing that the establishment can never deny, is that you and I exist mm. and that citizen journalism exists. Why is it that there's so many of the public have gone out of their way to try and wrest control of media from the establishment well why 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 would you bother your head to do that why would you be so passionate about trying to get the truth out there were it not for the fact that you've seen very clearly that all the government does is lie to us and deceive us through the mainstream media you're not alone there are millions of people trying to do this now citizen journalism is a fact it exists yeah. anybody yeah. coming to it for the first time has got to ask themselves why it exists because it doesn't exist for no reason there's this man um, michael mansfield this famous lawyer we have here was a human rights lawyer and he, he was coming up to retirement because he's in his 70s now <clears throat> and he was asked about how things had changed over his career and he said that the thing he'd noticed most was that People had started to try and use the law. This was really before even we had this kind of thing that you and I are doing now. Mm -hmm. um, he's, the people had started to try and use the law to run the country because they knew that the politicians weren't running the country and they certainly weren't doing it correctly. And that was the big thing. He'd noticed that how many how many lawsuits there were against the, the government and against the establishment and against the normal way. 
more and more and more citizens are saying the politicians are a joke i can see they're a joke we can't go on and on and on and on with this we can't just go on and on and on with pandemics and pedophilia and, and all the rest of it something's got to change now virginia roberts jufre whatever you want to call her you know her victory was a victory was an incredible victory Oh, and she, you know, she was able to do it because she had a fantastic team of pro bono lawyers behind her, and because she had that, she to has totally embarrassed, totally shown up, the most powerful family in the world as idiots and liars and perverts and lunatics. She's totally shown them up, and she's done it through through due process of of, of law. So, and, and you know. I'm more skeptical than anybody about, you know, how, how do you find an honest judge? How do you find an honest policeman? How do you find... But, you know, Lewis Kaplan, to me, is is the great hero of recent years to, to come out of this whole thing. Judge Lewis Kaplan would not allow Prince Andrew to get away with a damn thing, you know? And he, he, he he's my hero at the, at the moment. So, you know, there are honest cops out there, like Chief Michael Rita, who... Um, you know, was the start of the Epstein case. It was That was his case. There are honest prosecutors. I think it may be possible, if we can get a, a large enough body of the kind of people who feel like you do to take their own governments to court over this whole child pedophilia thing, if they want someone to present what is really going on, Hello, everybody. I'm here. I know how to do it, as you well know. And I know how to do it very well. The, 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 there's no problem with that. I can go into court anytime and give a presentation to show people exactly what's what's really going on. And if enough people can get interested in this, and as you say, the, the most important thing is how can we coordinate this feeling? How can we coordinate all of these professionals who are so concerned now? about where the, the, the world is going and, and what, what is happening to our democracy, you know? Yeah. The, the, how, how can we coordinate it? That's why I, I brought up Jean Larotonda. Um, you know, it, it coordinating this effort in some way that, you know, we can manage somehow through legal means to, you know, do something similar to what Virginia Dufresne did and take the American government and the British government to court <clears throat> over the paedophile scandal. I think it it's possible. I'm not sure if it will resolve every issue, but I, I think it's, I do think it, it's possible. Yeah. I, I hope so. I hope so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Francis, I want to, I want to cover a couple more things if that's all right. If that's yeah. all right. Get a little bit of time. Okay. So the first one I know that's kind of on everybody's mind, like, uh, so here's the funny thing. Here's the interesting thing, right? Everything is a rich man's trick, but we know what their tricks are. How is it that we can call their tricks months in advance like for example we knew coming in like coming out of winter coming into 2022 knowing that in here in america there was going to be like you know a midterm election in november everybody everybody in the independent media is like well not everybody but like you know some of us i'll say some of us some of us in the independent media are like we know they're going to be pulling false flags we know they're going to be pulling school shootings we know that they're going to be doing these things we know that they're going to be like targeting they're trying to they're going to try to push the the white supremacist narrative we know this is going to happen and we're telling you guys like it's so crazy like even yeah, well you know we so and then when it actually comes to fruition like how can we just chalk that up to coincidence like what is your take on how 
are these shooters being manipulated? Are they being like, are they, like, like, for example, are these shooters, like, for example, are there operatives within the government that are contacting them through social media and the combination of psychotropic drugs and having handlers from the CIA getting in their heads and encouraging them through the internet? Like, what do you think is going on? Is that, is that a phenomenon? Is that a legitimate thing that, that could be happening? I don't, I, I honestly, Scott, I don't think I could have put it better than you just have. And, yeah. and, and I think, I think the way that you've asked the question, is 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 quite sufficient because you you you've spelled that out beautifully. Inevitably, it makes one think about this thing. Is do you pronounce it Uvalde? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's is that how it's pronounced? Uvalde, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was I wasn't sure in in, in Texas. <clears throat> Once again, um, I haven't had too much time uh, to to look into it, but my initial thought about that was well, as with Ukraine. Where's all the video? You would think in this day and age when there's a CCTV camera on every wall and, and, and there's CCTV in every street and all the rest of it, you know, that man who was supposed to have shot those uh, children at that school, he had to leave his house. I don't know if he was meant to have gotten there on foot or in his car, but you would think that there'd be video of that, you know, in, in the street. He's then got to go onto the school grounds. You'd think there'd be CCTV of that. And you would think, even in this day and age, you would think with, with you know, iPhones and every damn thing that we've got these days and the technology that we're using right now, that there might even be, you know, good, clear CCTV images, video images of him committing the act it, it, itself. And yet there's nothing. And somebody pointed out the other day that there's 35 million iPhones in Ukraine, and he, there's not one second of raw combat footage between Ukraine, Ukrainians, and, 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 and Russians. Not one second. And and you know, and there there's so much proof that Ukraine is is false. I mean, as as soon as it began, and I start started telling people, this is a, a load of rubbish. You, you, you know, you, you can't prove that this is really going on at all. And the next thing you know, I don't know if you picked up on that uh, Star Wars story, Scott, with, with Ukraine. Did you see about that? No, I haven't heard about that. There, there was, <laughs> I mean, you talk about crazy. There was somebody uh, in Israel who was a sci-fi movie fan. <clears throat> and he was watching a, what was purported to be a broadcast. And they said, this is live footage of Ukraine. A Russian bomber has been disabled and it's landed on a ukraine motorway and it's broken apart as it's landed you see so what you what you're given is this tv shot of, of a it looks like it's from the window of a jeep of this vehicle approaching what appears to be a huge tail section it's a v section like that with with the wings on the on the top and they said this is a russian bomber that is crashed on a Ukraine motorway, and we're giving you live feed from this from this conflict. You see, well, whoever was watching it was very sharp-eyed, and he went, whoa, "Whoa, hang on a second! Don't like what I'm seeing here." And he's recording it. He rewinds the tape, and he realizes I've seen this before. And when he when he showed it again, there were two Star Wars stormtroopers <laughs> guarding <laughs> the tail section of this thing and he realized it's from a star wars movie now all of your audience all your viewers and anybody who they want to ask about this i want to put the question to them 
Are you seriously telling me that you're going to take Ukraine seriously? The idea that there's a war going on there seriously after you've heard that they were using clips from Star Wars to verify that it's real? Well, if you're going to do that, I can't take you seriously. Yeah, the whole thing is just bizarre beyond belief, man. But uh, yeah, so that's I mean, it's just back to the idea of like we know their tricks. Right. And so we can anticipate it like like so how are they are they OK, so here's another way to phrase the question like. Are they are they just stupid? Are they lazy? Or what, what's going? What are you? What do you think is going on? Are they desperate? Are they scared? Yeah, well, no, no, no. That great question, Scott. Again, you, you, you know, what a job you're doing here. Because uh, what, what are, uh, Claire Calvi, who's my lovely little Irish friend, you know, she said the same thing that they're panicking at the moment. And the reason that they're panicking is twofold. One is that we've got this crazy jubilee thing. I don't, I don't think Americans will be aware of it at all, really. But, but we've got this 70th anniversary. The Queen's been on the throne for 70 years. Yay. So, and, so, and so they're they're putting out Union Jack bunting in everywhere, and they're saying we're going to have a great celebration of, of her time on the throne. Well, this has come along just before uh, Ghislaine Maxwell will get sentenced. Well, they're terrified at the moment of these victim impact statements that's the thing that they're most nervous about now. Mm. They're worried that something else, something else that's really big, might come out in June when she's uh, sentenced. So th that's why, again, they're doing everything they can to distract the public. That's what I think Uvalde is about, that it's another stupid shooting story just like Columbine. And I predict, if you want, and I think that's what you want me to do, and I will do. Yeah, you do it. And, and who knows, Scott, now that we've said it, Maybe what the hell are they going to do? You know, what, yeah. what, what, what are we going to make up next uh, that will sound credible? But it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they've got something really huge ready for the period when the victims are given their victim impact statements in yeah. the Maxwell sentencing. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me because they've been giving, giving us this thing to try and make us live in fear. That oh, you know, Putin might la launch a nuclear weapon at, at at any time. I hope and pray they don't go that far. I hope and pray that they don't do anything that that's a, of a new level of craziness. I've always tried to say this, in the hope that that I would I would stop them. But I I wouldn't be surprised if there was a huge news story going on. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, that they could. They, you know, they they said that um, the the politician, I've, I've forgotten the name now. That the, um, there was this Labour politician uh, who was murdered on the <laughs> on the night of my first broadcast interview when I was on the Richie Allen show, mm -hmm. it, it, and it happened just two hours before we were due to go on air. And I've always said, Joe Joe Cox, that's right. The Joe Cox, the, the whole Joe Cox thing <clears throat> was just one giant-sized hoax, and it was there to get people looking the other way, because the man who made everything as a rich man's trick is going to have his first, you know, his baptism of, in, in the media. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they did something as crazy as faking the assassination of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris at the same time. Yeah. Something as, as nutty as that. Yeah. That would surprise me in order to to just fill the airwaves with 
sludge for days and days and days to try and get people looking the other way uh, from, uh, you know, from the whole thing with the victim impact statements. The reason that we have Ukraine right at this moment going on is that Prince Andrew paid off Virginia Roberts. And as soon as he did, there was this big thing in the media straight away. Oh, Labour politician Andy MacDonald has asked you, well, where do you get the money from? He's supposed to have no money. And he was told immediately, oh, guess what? There's a convenient ancient law that prevents you from asking about royal finances in Parliament. And everybody said, oh, how convenient is mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And as soon as that came along, Ukraine came along. Again, what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's So here's another thing to think about it. Like, it's not so much the event itself. It's the coordinated coverage from the media outlets. Like, if they were, they could just choose instead to cover these topics. They could in, in, instead choose to cover, like, the Glenn Maxwell trial. but Or they can instead choose to cover that particular just nonsense that's coming out, right? But instead, it's what they choose as a coordinated group of, of of broadcast whatever like outlets to cover at the same time so that's what it is it's not so much even about the event it's about the fact that they're all coordinating to cover a distraction event right you know what i mean so it's exactly. just like you know they could choose at any given day of the week like so they could they could they could all like cover like like let's say some dude was like like crossing like uh, jaywalking down here across the street from me like they could all immediately like pull in and just be like some man was jaywalking on franklin on the street here on franklin or whatever you know what i mean like they could all choose to cover that and that would be the distraction right and everybody all of us in the conspiracy <laughs> community would be like look at that they're all covering some dude jaywalking down the street like it's a big distraction why what are they distracting us from you know what i mean it's just it's not necessarily about the event it's about the distraction you know and so it's like really at the end of the day it's like this this mainstream media being so complicit in their actions and then all of us just like taking the bait and just rolling with it so you know whatever you know it's crazy there's important it's a it's a very important point that you make though scott because what we you and i and everybody involved in the truth movement have to make people aware of is that the news is not the news It, 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 it it is pure propaganda and in many cases it will be written sometimes as much as a year beforehand and they've always and this is the most important thing they've always got fake news as a contingency right right now if if say i mean can you imagine how huge it would be if somehow someone was to find say a photograph of prince andrew abusing a little girl say 30 years ago when 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 he he would have been in his own sort of 30s and that got into the media and he was doing it next to jimmy savile and it was obvious that they were <clears throat> abusing little girls together if something was to fly into the news right now like that they would have another story ready or another crisis ready they, they would have some kind of contingency plan ready to go and another pandemic another yeah. war another something they would have something really really big ready to go just in case they've always got the contingency it's all, plan they've got it all ready to go they've got it all ready to go right now they've, they've i think got... it's i think even you know if that is the only part of this broadcast that, you, that your new audience you know watches i hope at least that, that we've got that into their heads because whatever you see on tv it doesn't matter what it is it's there as i said to tim gaither 
because a rich man wants you to hear it because in some way it's doing him some good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right on. Well, hey, you guys in the chat, last call for any questions that you may have for Francis. Francis, I wanted to make sure we cover one more thing and then we'll wrap this up. All right. So you you said you uh, have some takes on Bob Dylan's new recent song, Murder Most Foul. Oh, if, if, if anybody can... Oh, I don't know. The thing is, you're you're in Tennessee. I mean, yeah. are you in Nashville itself? I am. I live, my my residence. I live in South Nashville, but here the studio, Last American Vagabond Studios, is in Franklin, which is about 15 minutes south of Nashville. But yes, I well, live and have been hanging out in like I, I go to this coffee shop right down the street in Nashville, Tennessee. Man, trip. The thing is, with with Nashville having such a, a you know a music connection and, and, a, and a music history. Maybe you might come across somebody who is capable of, of reaching Bob Dylan. I mean, as, as far as I'm aware, Tina Turner still is, is still alive and well. I know she's in her, her 80s. I've already made some insane connections here with people in the music industry. It's crazy. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, the thing was, I tried to reach Bob Dylan and, and couldn't because um, I don't know if you've heard, uh, come seen the lyrics or, or come across the song to Murder Most Foul. Hmm. Are you aware of that at all? No, uh, no, help me well, out. Well, Bob brought out this amazing song. And again, I cannot get over the genius of the man to, to be writing so powerfully at his age. I mean, Murder Most Foul is it's one of the greatest things he's ever done, in, in, in my view. And it's only just come out recently. And it appears, because of the way that he's written the lyrics, that he's written it because someone has told him about my movie and he's watched it and he's come out with this great work of art. Well, you know, it would mean an awful lot to me. If, you know, if, if Bob would, would get in touch because if, if, if my work has inspired one of, one of his greatest songs in, in, in my opinion, it's kind of a lament. There's no melody. Um, and it's the, the sheer amount of words because it's like 16 minutes long. Wow. And, and and you can see that it's he's written it because it's it's a heartbreak, it's an endless monotonous heartbreak of his soul crying for this wonderful man who whose you know life was taken from us and, and and that basically America has never been the same since. That's what he's saying in in this song. And well, you know, I'm only human, and it would mean an awful lot to me if if if. I'm correct in assuming, and I, I think I must be. If you look at the words later, murder most foul. Okay, I, I think I must be. You know, it must must have been influenced by by my work, and 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 if that's the case, then you know, I I just feel Bob should get in touch with me and and, and say so because, and and I don't make any bones about it either that you know he could help get the the movie distributed in, in, into Europe. You'd think if anybody had the power to do that. And the thing is, if, if it's been such a huge impact upon him that he would want to write a song after seeing it, why would he want to deny the rest of the world the, the, the chance to see it? You'd think it would be easy for Bob Dylan to take my film and, and distribute it through, throughout Europe. So just in case you make some you know contact that allows you to get in touch with Bob Dylan, I know he's a recluse these days, but just in case it, it, it happens... I, I, you know, I'd, 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 I'd be grateful if there was yeah. any connection. And that goes out to everybody listening. If you guys have any way to get a hold of Bob Dylan, let us know. And I guarantee if I were to ever meet Bob Dylan, the very first thing I would I would totally be like, hey, man, what do you think about 9-11? That's definitely the first thing. I, would. <laughs> I got the film for you. Or you tell me. What do you know about 9-11? Come on now. 
Let's let's trade. Let's exchange notes here. Have you heard of my friend Francis Richard Connolly? What's going on here? Right. Absolutely. Well, shoot, Francis, man. Thank you so much, man. I cannot thank you enough for spending the afternoon and the evening where you're at chatting with me like you're just a legend. I want to make sure everybody, please, everybody call to action. Everybody that's listening, watching right now, please go to trinday.com. And on the very main page, you will see a link where you can uh, purchase this classic, amazing book written by Francis Richard Connolly, JFK 911. Everything is a rich man's trick. Um, you can still find it on YouTube. Just type it in in BitChute, wherever you wherever you go, you can still find it. Francis, I feel like maybe we need like a like your your own web page. We need like your own web page. We need your own social media presence. We really need to get you out in the public as as your own your own thing. You know what I mean? Like that's I know you got a Facebook page, but like we need to like really like market market you right. You know what I mean? And uh. Yeah, and then I've got a lot of friends in the podcast circuit. If you want to go on any of these other shows, let me know. We can reach out to them. But anyway, man, I just feel like this is such a huge piece of work that needs to be in everyone's coffee table and everyone's gift list. And so, you guys, trynday.com, okay? Trynday.com. You're a gentleman, Scott. You're a gentleman. You really are. Um, any, anything else you want to leave with the listeners? Any way that you want them to uh, get a hold of you or anything that you want them to follow? The, the, no, the, the main thing that, that I want people to think about at, at this moment, I mean, obviously, if, if there's any progress with this, the judicial review thing, you'll, you'll be the first to know. But, um, you know, I, I hope that you can now take this. I mean, <clears throat> it would be very interesting. I mean, I, I understand his name is John Cooper, your Lord Mayor. Oh. I'd be very, very interested indeed. If, and and his, his email is the just what you'd expect. It's uh, john.cooper at nashville.gov. Uh, and and you, you can get the phone number. Uh, all you're going to do is put in uh, Nashville local councillors. That's it. Okay. Uh, I, I would be delighted if, um, you know, yourself and your viewers and, and all your friends, if you get in touch with, with Na Na Nashville local council and just try to make them aware of what I've been going through with trying to get first York and then Liverpool County Council to support me with this judicial review in order to end child sex abuse and they flatly said no. It would be very interesting to me indeed if you get exactly the same response. You probably will. It'll probably be a waste of time. But at least then, Scott, will know what the real situation is with, with local councillors. And if they're just the same in your country as they are in mine, that's another thing that we're going to have to deal with as decent men. Totally. Yeah, I wish. I wish there was more people stepping up to the plate to address this issue. So yeah, some, okay. Yeah. Let's talk offline. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like I, I just moved to town and I'm going to immediately start rocking the boat. I'm going to walk into my city council meeting. Like, all right, folks, we're going to be doing something about child sex trafficking here. Like I'm new to town, but we're, we're just going to completely disrupt the entire establishment and you're all going down. Hear me? Well, it's not. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be possible to drum up some movement to make you into the mayor of Nashville because then maybe we'll we'll really get somewhere. Now we're talking. There you go, Scott. Like, is there an election this year? I'm I'm running. No, I'm running for mayor of Nashville, and we're going to be squashing human trafficking everywhere we find it. So anyway, man, Francis, man, thank you so much, brother. I just appreciate you, and you're just like such a such a warm, gentle soul, and I just appreciate your passion for these topics that are so hard to discuss and cover. And yeah, man, thank you so much. You're very welcome, my friend. You're a gentleman, and I hope I hope we get to do this, you know, again. It'd be really nice. We will. All right, everybody listening, thank you so much for joining me again. Once again, Rebunk.news is where you can get everything about this show and trynday.com to get a copy of Francis's book. So, all right, guys, thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Good night.